I'm gonna switch it up for y'all a little bit. Get crunk. You know why? Huh? It's hurricane season. The new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami. Surge, surge. The new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami. Surge, surge. Kane's cartel coming through. Tell me what these other teams gonna do. Welcome back to the Wide Right Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, your host and beat writer for the University of Miami. Uh, obviously, it's a difficult time right now for our country. Everybody's dealing with the coronavirus, and uh, sports is uh, shut down across the country. And we're going to bring on our usual buddies who we talk to in most of our podcasts. That would be Kelvin Harris and Mike Zimmerman, my producer. Kelvin Harris, of course, uh, former athlete, uh, three-time national champion with the Hurricanes. And it's funny, I want to start the conversation today here, Kelvin, before we get serious with with all the news and updates on what's been happening as far as cancellations and how it pertains to UM. But last night, you know, this is day number four. Five for me that I haven't left my house. I've been here basically since Friday, and I haven't moved with my kids. Uh, and my wife is now working from home. Uh, she had to go into the office yesterday, but she's working from home now. So last night, uh, after the the wife and kids went to bed, I stayed up watching um, some old University of Miami football games, and I saw I saw our boy Mike Zimmerman, Kelvin Harris. Uh, lead blocking and knocking over this guy on a double reverse back in the 1991 Penn State Miami game, and I'm like, wow! I'm like, I finally saw Kelvin somewhere on TV. I know he played for the Hurricanes, but now I got real proof where he's knocking somebody over. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, man, this is what sports is gonna be like for the next several months. I'm gonna be sitting here watching these old games, and um, I guess I, I want to start the show with this. Where where do you guys? I mean, what do, what do you think the next few months are going to be like for you? I'll start with you, Kelvin, first, and then we'll kick it to Mike. But what, these next couple months without sports, knowing the NBA is stark, knowing you know spring football is basically canceled and done with, uh, knowing you know that there's so much uh, vast empty space. What's your take on all this? Well, I think. The first thing is people got to make sure that we don't become Resident Evil where people just go mad crazy because it's going to be tough. I mean, you and your wife are going to find out if you actually like each other now because you're going to be in between two kids and in the house. And then, I mean, I'm sure you probably haven't gotten out of your boxers in four days. And I hope you've taken a bath because, you know, at some point. You know, that, it, there's going to be a lot of a lot of decisions in people's lives where either marriages are going to make it and they're going to be together forever, or p- people are going to realize I really don't like this motherfucker. Why am I with him? <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, um, do you? Uh, I mean, I don't know your situation. We've never uh, actually talked about girlfriend, you know, family, what your personal life is like, but. Um, I'm wondering what your situation is like. Have you been camped out at home most of this time? And, and what do you, how are you sort of handling uh, this situation? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm, uh, you know, as single as, as it gets. So, you okay. know, anybody out there interested, just let me know. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I've just been cooped up in the apartment, just, you know, not, not doing anything. I went uh, food shopping probably like a week ago just to stock up on things because I knew, you know, I wasn't g- going to leave really anytime soon unless it was a necessity um so yeah i've just been uh you know 
you know, catching up on some TV shows, watching some movies. I mean, there's nothing really on TV. I mean, you, you can't really watch any sports. So it's it's really just finding things to keep busy. Kelvin, when was the last time you were outside the house, man? When did you? Uh, when was the last time you ventured out into this world? I, I walk outside uh, once or twice a day, but I haven't really left the you know the complex in a while. But you know, you you, you got to go out at least walk outside and get fresh air. Or in my case, like where I in my bedroom, there's you know a little pond on the outside of the the window, and the, and the breeze comes in, so you know you get I get some fresh air there. But you still got to go outside and get fresh air. And I mean, I know they're telling you don't go into crowds, but I think people have to go outside their door. You know, if you're in a house and you got a yard, walk around your yard, get soak up the grass, get some sun. That sun is important because if you stay in the house, we will become this might end up being the walking dead because people will kill each other. I mean, this I I, I was listen. I was in the house with my mom. I, I had like a minor surgeon. I come back when the hurricane hit a couple of years ago. And when, right before I was going back to Fort Lauderdale, my place, the hurricane hit. So, you know, can't, you know, can't leave your mom by herself in a major hurricane. So we were without electricity for 12 days. I mean, hey, that was tough. But can you imagine... 12 weeks no no football no basketball no baseball no new tv shows nothing live you basically are stuck with reruns netflix and hulu and at some point in 12 weeks netflix and hulu gets old i mean <laughs> woo yeah it's not an easy situation uh, as far as, uh, you know, being stuck at home. Nobody likes that. Everybody likes to go out and, and enjoy the world and do things, or at least a, a good majority of our, our country does. And so now with, uh, you know, sort of the lockdowns that are taking place in different parts of the country, um, you know, it's made things difficult for people, really a challenge to, to get entertained. But one thing I want to promise our listeners and subscribers at The Athletic is we're still going to try to put out a, a product uh, even without games, um, there's still a lot for us to write, a lot of stories to tell, things that we can do. And, you know, we had a meeting last Friday with uh, where it was kind of an all-hands-on-deck meeting at The Athletic, and, and our publishers and, and different people at The Athletic basically said, look, you, you're smart, creative people. You can come up with content. And so we've been challenged, and, you know, I still have a lot of stories to tell. And if you have a subscription to The Athletic, I hope you keep it. Hell, I don't know what else you're going to be spending your money on anyway, right? You can't really go out and do much. So, uh, you know, I, I, I would tell you, if you have one, keep it. And if you don't have one, sign up. It's only 4 bucks a month. You're not going to be spending uh, that, that those 4 or $5 a month anywhere else, really, for the next uh, few months, it seems like. And uh, so just, you know, there's plenty plenty to, to do, plenty to read uh, as far as The Athletic goes. And certainly with this podcast, you know, we're going to try to – do this periodically and maybe keep it going if we get enough interaction and enough questions from readers. You know, that's one thing I did. I sent out a, a, a tweet to our uh, audience to ask for questions and said, hey, if you got something on your mind, something you want us to talk about on the show, uh, be sure to send it in to us. So I've gotten some feedback on that. 
<clears throat> and uh, and I would tell you if you're listening to this episode right now, uh, as we record it, you know, Tuesday, uh, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day at, at around 10 a.m., <clears throat> to please continue to um, participate with us. Send us messages on Twitter at Manny underscore Navarro, the Wide Right Pod, uh, Mike C. Zim, and uh, you can reach Ke- uh, Kelvin at Ebony Lifestyles on Twitter if you got something you want to talk about with us if you listen to the show. Um, a couple things I want to get out of the way quickly just because it's it's sort of pertinent to the news and part of the reason why Mike wanted to record this podcast um, essentially, uh, the University of Miami, they announced this morning that the entire spring semester is now going to be online. Um, teachers are not coming back to campus. They're going to start closing down ho- on-campus housing. And so UM has basically put a fork into the spring semester, and kids are going to be doing assignments from home. Um, we already heard last week from the NCAA that all spring championships are uh, canceled, as well as uh, March Madness. Uh, that's old news. You guys all heard that already. But essentially, there was a small glimmer of hope. Hey, maybe maybe Miami can still get a spring game in, you know, because things have only been suspended indefinitely. Well, I, I think at this point, the fact that they're not going to be on campus anymore pretty much sticks a fork in that. And I don't want to start speculating on when I think things are going to be coming back because it's kind of pointless at this at this point. Um, I'll tell you this really quickly. I, I think if there is a possibility where teams can make up those spring practices when whenever life gets back to normal, I'm willing to bet the NCAA is going to be willing to do that. Um, they're going to allow some football teams and coaches to get back on the field and, and maybe get some extra practices in before the season starts assuming the season starts on time in August, in late August and early September. So, um, you know, right now all we've basically heard is what the president has has said um, as far as times are concerned. You know, it it started off uh, with the NBA saying, uh, you know, maybe we can push the playoffs into August. And then, um, you know, the president, I guess yesterday, went on TV and talked about maybe this thing will be over by July, August, that time. So, I don't know what to tell you. I, I know there's going to be a lot of reporting on what's said and what's sort of determined here in the weeks and months ahead. We've got a long way to go, it feels like, either way. And, um, again, I just I just want us to be able to provide uh, some entertainment for you guys. I don't want all the talk to be about coronavirus because I know that's what you're trying to escape from. So we're going to try to talk some football. We're going to try to talk about the Hurricanes Athletic Department as a whole. Um and just try to entertain you as best as possible. Mike, um, I guess, do you have any questions first off? I mean, you, you wanted to do this podcast as sort of an informational thing, and I'm wondering if I'm skipping anything or missing anything that you thought we should address. Uh, I mean, I, I guess it, it kind of, because this is an NCAA-wide thing, that I don't think Miami's any different than any other school at this point. You know how, like, initially it was, you know, schools individually were canceling Uh, spring practice and then canceling activities you know each individual school and then the NCAA just said you know everybody's done you know Mm -hmm. they they made a collective decision so it's it's really no different than any other school uh, in the country but I I, kind of figured that you know it it would be a good time to maybe talk about how um, I mean especially with you know the quarterback being such an important position how does this layoff affect you know Derek King um you know, does it help him? Does it hurt him because he's not getting the reps with with uh, his teammates? How how would that affect Miami? And if they did if they did you know start the twenty uh, twenty season on time, 
you know, and everything goes to plan, does does this layoff and hiatus affect him at all in, in any way? Well, I think for all of the players, and, and I know quarterback is obviously the most important position, I think the one advantage Miami has in this scenario is that uh, Derek King has already played in this offense. Okay, He played in it at Houston, and so Rhett Lashley has developed an offense that, that really, to me, isn't that difficult for him to adjust to. Obviously, I think the bigger adjustment comes from his teammates, You know, the guys that have to, quote-unquote, learn the playbook. Um, and won't get a chance to actually go out on the field and execute it with their teammates in a football setting. Um, you know, I, I would assume that uh, all of these athletes are still working out. Um, they're still studying the playbook. They're still doing everything that Manny Diaz and his staff wants to do. I spoke to a staffer last week who said that, you know, basically the instruction was go home, stay away from the virus as best you can and and you know try to keep yourselves in shape and wait to see what happens and i think right now a lot of the athletes are realizing hey it's going to be a long time before i get to play football again and you know i think it's it's really going to be on them it's going to be on them to to do all the things that the coaches want them to do to, to to stay in shape and to be ready whenever things get back to normal but i think as far as the eric king is concerned and you heard some of the players talk about it before the end of spring, um, you know, before things got cut off a couple of weeks ago. This playbook isn't very hard to, to learn. And I think, you know, as far as King is concerned, it, it's really secondhand nature to him. He's going to be able to go out there whenever football resumes and be ready to go. I'm not I don't I don't think I'm not worried about him at all. It's more the receivers. It's more the offensive linemen. It's more the guys who haven't played in this offense and only got to do it for one week. Um, those are the guys that I'm worried about. I think Derek King will be just fine. Um, Kelvin, how do you uh, feel about this? Because really, I mean, this is unprecedented. Um, usually every school gets to uh, do spring football and have those 15 practices. I know it's invaluable what you get to do in the spring, especially with a new coordinator. I'm wondering from a player perspective – what you think of this layoff and how guys are going to adjust. Well, i tell you what, this is definitely a precedent because, um, you you know, normally you would get spring practice and everybody would get a chance to see the potential of each team in the fall. Well, actually, when you really break it down, a few ACC and SEC schools – have an advantage over the rest of the country because, well, us, Florida State, I think uh, Georgia Tech, I believe Alabama got a practice in or two, um, got a chance to get a glimpse of what their 2020 team looks like on the field. And the advantage I think we have over everybody else is we got a padded practice, a pad, a a pad, a shoulder pad and shorts practice and the kids got a chance to see how Derek runs the offense, how Rhett Lashley runs practice, how Garen Justice, what drills he's using, how Rob Likens, what drills he's using, the pace of practice, the expectations. Um we we have a distinct advantage and going into the 2020 season you got to look at teams 
who are returning their quarterback and the majority of their players. And if I were to start saying favorites, I would put us right up there at the top of the coastal. I would put obviously Clemson at the Atlantic. And I would make going into the season Ohio State and Clemson the two favorites because they both got their quarterbacks back and their quarterbacks played in the playoffs. One has played more playoff games than anybody coming back to college football. Um, I think Alabama got one practice in in pads. The, or I'm not even quite sure it was in pads. I know they got at least one or two practices in. The problem they got is they're, well, they're actually probably going to look, they have a little bit of advantage too because Mac Jones started some crucial games last year. And if Bryce Young isn't ready, Mac Jones is the guy. But the advantage that we have is D. Wiggins knows what's expected of him in his new offense. Uh, Mike Harley, Mark Pope, Peyton. And we've got a chance to see the freshmen. Even Michael Redding was on the field uh, running air routes. Uh, we got a chance to, you know, see Jalen Phillips. We got a dose of Aubrey Huff. And, you know, your man Charles and a couple of other people have seen Derek run the offense. So we have an idea of what we're dealing with. Now, what I'm going to suggest to Derek is to take this time off to have video meetings with the offensive line and the receivers and running backs. So, you know, watching film and getting mental reps so that when they do get back on the field, they can just hit the ground running. Because the offense is simple, and it's something he's been running a variation of this since he was six or seven years old. Um, now it's just a matter of everybody else getting on the same page and fine-tuning stuff. Matter of fact, to be honest with you, if I'm going to suggest to them that they go through and watch film on every team's defense and, and have meetings simulating the offensive plays to the defensive schemes that they see so that they could be ahead of the game when they get back on the field. But again, all this is going to have to come from the players because the fact that everything is shut down, it's basically impermissible, I think, for the coaches to have any contact with the players right now. It's kind of like the old rules get kicked in the moment everything gets suspended. You know, uh, During spring football, coaches obviously are allowed a certain amount of hours uh, per week to, to interact more, more than during the offseason. Um, I know in the offseason, they're allowed a certain amount of hours also to have contact and, and, and talk to them and say, hey – you know, study this or do this, or you should be working out on this. And, and, and so we're, we're back to that period now, essentially where, where coaches um, and players are just totally separated. And like you said, video conferencing, that kind of stuff, that's going to be the form of communication between players and coaches and, and players and players. And in the end, it's going to be on the players to, to do a lot of this on their own. We know last year with some of the maturity issues of, of certain characters that were around the program, uh, we might have gone into this offseason feeling like, uh, wow, you know, I wonder if these guys are actually going to do what they sh what they should be doing. I think things are a little different because De'Ara King is here, because he is a, a leader, and because there's a different attitude around the program now with Rhett Lashley and some of these offensive coaches. So 
while it, it you know we don't know how guys are going to adjust once football gets back uh, going i think kelvin you know you're right i think these guys are going to do what they need to do they're going to they're going to put the work in as far as keeping themselves in shape and studying up and doing everything they got to do to be ready once football is, is green lit to return um mike zimmerman um you know we had a, a couple questions online uh one of them i'm going to get to it now um this is from Roderick Barry. He asked me, what's going on with te- the, the Telly Lockett saga? We need more staff like him and Hippolyte to keep the talent home. The last thing we heard from Manny Diaz was they were still sort of going through the paperwork with Telly Lockett. Um, and they were going to announce it when it became official. I know that he, I don't think his name is up on the University of Miami website. And if you follow Telly on Twitter like I do, uh, he hasn't put anything as far as being officially hired by the Hurricanes. So I think it's inevitable that it's going to happen as far as that uh, analyst role that he was going to be hired into. I know from talking to the recruiting guys last month for the story that I put out this morning um, that te- that uh, Telly's going to play a big role as far as when kids are on campus. Um, you know, he's an inner city guy, played at Miami Northwestern. I think was running back at the University of Idaho and then obviously has been in coaching uh, won a couple state championships at Miami Central and then um, has coached at the college level for like the past decade uh, at different schools including Oregon State and, and, and different places I think essentially Manny Diaz uh, made that hire because he wanted it to help uh, sort of the the push in the inner city uh, to get some of these kids to stay home and pick the University of Miami so Obviously, hiring Telly is important, um, and, and Hippolyte as well, who has been or was at practice the first week working with guys um, in the receiver position in particular. And, um, you know, I, I think two important hires for sure, Roderick, and and we'll see what happens when, when Telly gets officially hired. But with everything sort of going on right now with the coronavirus, I don't know if there's going to be any formal announcements or anything like that anytime soon. I think... Um, everybody's sort of focused on what's happening with the virus and cancellations. And, you know, we'll, we'll see when football and, and life starts to reserve, return to normal here in, in the weeks ahead. Any other questions from you, Mike? Anything else on your mind you want us to talk about? Um, I, I guess here, here's a good, um, a good conversation that we can kind of have. What's your, uh, you know, because, I mean, nothing else is going on, so you might as well just come <laughs> up with some – some uh some good conversation i guess what is if you had to pick one old hurricanes game to go back and watch or or your favorite game of all time uh you know what would that be i i think that that, that's a good um conversation for our listeners because if they haven't seen this game that you know that one of us chooses it's a good thing to maybe go back and kind of watch it and get a little sense of you know whether you're you're young and you, you didn't get to see you know older games in the 80s and 90s or, or maybe you're a little older and you haven't seen any of the more recent games i think this is a good conversation to say you know what are some of your favorite games to kind of go back and watch yeah it's a good question mike um well, first of all, Bruce Feldman did did an article for The Athletic where I think he came up with a top 10 list of the greatest games to, to sort of go back and watch, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Mike? I don't know if you saw that same article. but uh, Yes. Yeah, essentially he had a bunch of links to YouTube and, and clips of all these games. And so, um, you know, I've, I've, I've actually already been doing that uh, <laughs> in the past few months, going back and watching these games again. 
Uh, but there's so much available online, especially if you you know you just look up Miami uh, online, Miami football, and and you know click a year, and you're gonna you're probably gonna be able to find that game somewhere online. Last night I was watching the '92, uh, actually the '91 um, Miami Penn State game, the one played in the Orange Bowl. Um, it was a relatively exciting game. Miami was number two, Penn State was number nine, and uh, but I watched it more because it had Kelvin uh, starting at center, and and it was you know I got to see him in action a little bit. But for me, I think you know when I think about my childhood and growing up following the K- the Canes as a kid during their glory years. And when they were really, really good and really exciting, um, you know, the game that sticks out to me is that that game at Michigan, uh, where you, where the Canes had the great comeback. I think it was what thirty-one. Kelvin, you were there, weren't you, for that Michigan game? Was it thirty-one to like fourteen or something? It was thirty to fourteen, with I think five and a half minutes left, and we come back and win thirty-one thirty. Um, that was a good one. That wouldn't be my all-time favorite, but. That that's that's one of those games that you know you look back at what established the the UM you know dynasty and the swagger. That game right there is definitely um, up there. I mean, it wouldn't be. It, it, I think it would make my top ten. Now, obviously, my favorite would be White Right One. I mean, right. But right. My number two favorite is the Bosworth game. Um, I was a senior in high school, and you know, we came. You know, uh, me and my high school quarterback, we were recruits, and my best friend, he came with us. He was a junior, and that was just such a hype game. That was that was, I think, America's true introduction to the University of Miami. I mean, Jerome and Winston and Lonzo cursing at the coin toss, Brian Bosworth, the hype, number one versus number two. That would be my second favorite game, but um, the uh, the Miami-Oklahoma game in Orange Bowl, we won our first national championship, makes it. But the Florida State games, all of the Florida State games make my top list. Yeah. The the one that I think a lot of people sleep on is 87 when we beat them 26 25 and they went for two. Mm-hmm. That was Michael Irvin with the Oh, Canadian, man. Right? Let me tell you something. One of the great UM stories. We down 19 3. And Prime, Prime lines up on our sideline, or Mike lines up on our sideline, and Prime is guarding him. And then press coverage. So Prime says, yo, why is you still running these routes so hard? This game is over. So Mike gets up, looks at the sideline, then look at Prime and say, because I'm a Miami Hurricane and we never give up. Now, about three plays later, Steve Walsh throws a touchdown pass to, uh, to Melvin Bratton. And then later on, he hits Mike on that 73-yarder and, you know, puts us back in the lead and and at that point it was you know pandemonium and then it it's a you know similar finish 87 and 91 had similar finishes and that florida state got the ball last and had an opportunity to win and they peed all over themselves which what florida state does but yeah those two games were classic i mean 
the 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 crowd. I mean, and then the one we lost in '89 at Florida State was a great game because we had them on the ropes. Shannon Crowell fumbles the ball at the one. Peter Tom Willis bombs us like it's you know the Hiroshima, and you know from that point on they they win the game. But that was a competitive game too. That's the game where Dexter Carter puts the flag on Bernard Clark's head. I mean. That whole Miami series, Miami Florida State series was great. I'm sure we could do multiple shows, just getting different guys on to come on and talk about some of those Miami Florida State moments. Um, That one with Michael Irvin and and Deion Sanders I hadn't heard before. One you told me last night because I was watching that Penn State Miami game in 91 was when you actually got knocked into the Penn State sideline um, you know, sort of your first meeting with Joe Paterno. You want to share that story? Because I, I yeah, well, actually, I night. didn't get knocked into Joe Paterno. What happened was, um, <laughs> Coach Jackson had a pretty good game plan. So we come out on, I think, the second or third offensive play. I think it was the second play, and we run a double reverse. So my 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 uh, my uh, my uh, my route. Uh, on the play is I've got to uh, fake like I'm running strong side zone and then double back and I got to get the corner who's on the strong side is on the wide side of the field because Lamar is coming from the weak side because I think K-Dub gets the ball on the reverse and then he hands it Lamar so I got to fake like I'm going right then I got to get all the way out to the corner so I catch I think it was either Leonard Humphreys or Darren uh, it was Leonard Humphreys he was the corner I catch him and I ride his ass all the way into their sideline and dump him. And so when I get up, I literally get right up on Joe Paterno's, because Joe Paterno didn't wear um, shoes. He wore cleats. He wore black cleats with his, um, with his, you know, his slacks and his and his shirt. So I dump dude, and then I'm getting up, and I see these black cleats, and I look up, and it's Joe Paterno, and he's got these. Thick ass glasses, and he's looking at me. And I said something to the effect that we're gonna whoop your motherfucking ass today, right at him and the bench. And he looks at me and says, Ah, get out of here, get out of here. <laughs> and I'm just talking straight shit to him. We're gonna whoop your motherfucking ass today as I'm walking back to the huddle. And Mario Cristobal was at Rutgers with um, Shiano. So I call him one day, and he says, oh, uh, D'Onofrio was there. And so D'Onofrio tells a story about how they come to the meeting that Monday, and he's like, yeah, little fat sinners, get up talking noise to me. <laughs> well, it's funny. What I was going to say is in that in that 91 game against Penn State, if you, if you watch it like I did last night, uh, D'Onofrio is the starting middle linebacker for Penn State, and then you got Al Golden starting a tight end uh, for Penn State in that game. So it's a, if you want a reason to tune in and actually see what Al Golden and uh, Mark D'Onofrio look like as players, that's yeah, D'Onofrio. See it in that game. To his credit, was a pretty good linebacker. He ended up getting drafted in the second round to the Packers, and ironically, he told me this: um, we were his last college game because um, he had a shoulder injury. And Paterno called him in the office after the game. I think that, that, that next week and said, I'm shutting you down. Uh, we're not going to win the national title. 
and you got a, a, a career in the NFL, so go get the surgery and we'll, you know. I hit him one time in the game. I caught him. I think we ran another play, like a misdirection play, and he had his head turned, and I stuck my helmet in his chest, and all I heard was, oh, as I knocked him off his feet. I mean, it's not quite sex, but that is a great feeling. <laughs> What's funny was I saw um, last night somebody tweeted this out. I think it was Dorseyitis. Somebody on Twitter uh, tweeted out how uh, Mark D'Onofrio started uh, the first social distancing defense, and I just couldn't I, I couldn't stop laughing when I saw that because of uh, obviously how far back you know he had players and how far apart he had Miami's defense spread out. But I thought it was a great line. The first social distancing defense in in college football history was created by Mark D'Onofrio. I you you liked him right? I mean, as far as a, a person, yeah, you know, you crazy talk to him about about much. Him is, Golden, he was cool. I mean, look, as a person, Al was a good dude. I mean, both of their families lived over here in Southwest Florida. One of them's family lived in Naples and. Mm-hmm. Al's, I think, is Al's actually family lived in Fort Myers, and Al was a good dude. I mean, I used to go to the office all the time because my roommate, one of my roommates from college, Hurley Brown, was um like the player personnel guy, and I go sit in his office and you know joke around with you know I'd see Al, and you know it wasn't like the former players. I don't think he had too much because you know we had pretty decent access, but. He just didn't, they didn't respect the UM legacy. Like, you know, the whole change in defense thing, you know, it didn't make any sense. And then, you know, honestly, they didn't really show Kehoe and Mike Barrow the respect that they needed to be showing. And, you know, they kind of ran Mike off. I mean, they didn't purposely do it, but Mike is a principal guy. And, you know, D'Onofrio was kind of full of himself from what I understood. And I don't know why he was. So, you know, when Mike got a chance, and, and, and I know it, it had to tear at him that Mike got that spot with the with the Seahawks and not him because Brennan Carroll recommended Mike. You know, and you would have thought that, I'm sure, in, in Mark's mind, that he was supposed to be the one to get recommended. But, you know, it just was a bad fit. It was a bad fit. By the way, um, not to change the subjects, but there was a little bit of news yesterday, um, I guess, as far as scheduling is concerned with the Hurricanes. They uh, added a 2021 opponent, and uh, that was Central Connecticut State, one of the 1AA teams. Central Connecticut State was actually pretty good last year. They were 11-2. and They got eliminated in the first round of the FCS playoffs. Uh, but still, I mean... Um, their their uh, twenty one schedule is now complete. Um, that's the year, of course, that they're opening with uh, Alabama, and uh, I think Clemson's on the schedule that season as well. So uh, it's a it's going to be a challenging uh, schedule for the Hurricanes that year. But uh, actually, no, Clemson is not on the schedule. I think in twenty one, um, it's NC State and Florida State are the two uh, crosstown uh, opponents in twenty one. So it's twenty twenty two when Miami's got Clemson. All right, Mike, any final thoughts? Anything else you want us to get to before we wrap up the show? 
Uh, no, I, I think I'll just, you know, reiterate everything that you've been saying for, uh, for the fans and listeners out there. You know, if you've got any questions or even topics you want to hear discussed on the show, uh, let us know, tweet at us, uh, you know, give us some topics, give us some things to talk about. I mean, there's no, with nothing going on right now, you know, we'd love to hear what you guys want to hear. So, um, so yeah, just let us know and, uh, we'd be more than happy to discuss it. All right, Kelvin. Uh, final yeah, thought hey, I'll we, say uh, this, um, there's a lot of time on your hands and YouTube is available. I'm going to say this. Most of our 91 season is on YouTube. Arkansas, Houston, Penn State, Florida State, San Diego State. I'm going to say this. Go check out those 91 games in that offense. And understand when I talk about a spread offense, I mean, I literally was there at the beginning of when the spread offense. And you'll see how our offense ran and compare it to what you see nowadays. Go look at, you know, go check out what SMU did last season and compare it to what we did in 91. The only, and, and actually the best, the best definition of the, the past and the present linking together is our game, our second game, of the year, which ironically was the first Thursday night game in the history of ESPN, where we played the University of Houston. And you're going to see Houston ran the run and shoot, no huddle. And it's going to compare. It's basically the birth, uh, the origin of what you see this no huddle that Rhett Lashley runs. And then you go back and you can go look at SMU last year and see that really football hasn't changed that much. Uh, the only difference, I think, is neither one of our teams, you know, the Houston team or us, ran shotgun. Miami didn't start doing shotgun till my, you know, till I had left in 92. They, that's the first time they ran shotgun. I didn't know how to shotgun stop till I got to the pros. So all these blitzes you see now, we were getting those blitzes, but we had to pick them up at the line of scrimmage. So, but you can see, and the reason why I say 91 is because our receiving core 91, the Rufus Posse, which was 91 and 92, is, I think, arguably the best receiving crew that the school has had. And you get a chance to see how it works when you got dynamic receivers because we had a group of receivers it was like a basketball team. Horace was 6'3", running a 4'3", with a 40-plus inch vertical leap. Lamar was, uh, you know, he wasn't super fast, but he was the route runner. He was the best overall receiver. K-Dub was running a 4-2-4. He was probably the second best return man in the history of the school. Daryl Spencer was a Braxton Berrios type before Braxton Berrios. And then we had Coleman Bell, who played a bigger role as the season go on, who made the greatest catch of his career against Florida State to help us win that game. He was a receiving tight end. And then we had bigger backs. You see, you could you could see how this is going to work through what we ran. And then you'll get a chance to go past present. And then if you do get a chance, go back and look at the 2001 team and see how it all evolved over the years. You got great record. Great rec, great recommendations, Calvin. All right, man. Well, we're gonna wrap up this episode. We're gonna try to come up with some more content here in the uh, weeks and months ahead. I know you guys are gonna be bored. If you really want to check out the show um, in terms of supporting it, um, make sure you sign up uh, with a subscription through the through the podcast to the Athletic. 
Uh, the more subscriptions we get, the more uh, guys like Mike Zimmerman and some of the other higher-ups at The Athletic say, hey, you know what, we need to record more shows. Uh, so uh, contribute any way that you can. And I hope you guys stay safe out there. Uh, stay home. Don't uh, spread this disease any further, uh, this virus. Uh, let's make sure that um, you stay healthy. And more than anything, um, that you, you spend some good quality time with your family if you can. Uh, this, is, this is the one opportunity we'll get where you don't have to go into work. You don't have to go into, uh, you know, school or anything like that. You can spend time at home. Uh, with your family, with your loved ones. And I know that in, in today's society, we probably don't do that enough when things are normal. So take advantage of that. And more than anything, um, love each other and, and be positive. I think we're going to be able to all get through this. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this uh, episode of the Wide Right Podcast. Again, we'll be back soon to talk to you guys. See ya. The new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami.